Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from Ad Shamit Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Re'eh, the Torah and artificial intelligence. Can AI make moral choices? So have you delved into AI? Have you been playing with it? Have you looked at it? Have you thought about it? I've thought about it a lot. I've, and I've uh, read about it and I've had discussion with my kids about it. And I've tried a couple like silly little exercises. You know, I asked it to suggest what my next book should be about. And uh, I didn't really like any of the answers. And then I asked it to compose a poem. Uh, I can't remember what it was about. I asked it to compose a poem about Muhammad Ali in the style of, oh, I think it was in the style of Dr. Seuss or something like that, just to see what would happen. And how was it? It did a very good job on that, actually. AI is the rage. There's a whole debate in our country. I, by the way, have never actually engaged with it. I haven't played with it. I haven't tried it. And I don't actually have a good explanation as to why. I like to write, you know, and I, I like that. So it's not something that interests me. Although, I guess, when you do research and things like that, it's, it, it will be invaluable. And just like the computer and just like the Internet, it will be part of my life, I'm sure, in the not-too-distant future, because there's no way to avoid it. Well, maybe you're wise or to avoid it as long as you can. You know, speaking of writing, I was on the L the other day and I saw all these signs, all these ads uh, for this AI company, and it was all pitching it as something that would make you a better writer. The slogan was 10 times your screenplay or 10 times your novel, um, 10 times your speech. And the idea was that, you know, using AI to at least get you started or to help you with your speech would make it 10 times better. And I thought, oh, that's scary. Yeah. They're, they're promoting it as a creative tool. I think it's it's it, it may be the opposite of creativity. But you know there is a there is an AI program called Delphi, which uh, delves into moral questions. Like you can, you know, Delphi, who was you know the god of knowledge, and uh, you could go to Delphi and ask questions. Right, people would journey to Greece to go to the Oracle of Delphi. Mm-hmm. And I read about it. How do you feel about going to AI for moral issues? Again, not having tried it, obviously, it, it sounds scary to me because I guess, you know, I'm not a tech guy, as you've probably figured out by now. But it seems to me that the way it works is by gathering massive amounts of data. And that can be super helpful. Like if you want to look for patterns in um, detecting cancer and you can scan billions of CT scans or MRIs at the same time and and, and maybe find patterns that humans can't because the data set is too large. I'm all on board for that. But if you're going to ask for advice on moral questions based on the aggregation of massive amounts of data, what you're doing basically is asking for what would be the most popular choice, it seems to me, not what is necessarily the most moral choice. And popularity going with the gut of the masses is, uh, I'm not sure I want to go that direction. I looked at some of the results of some of the questions that were asked. So someone wrote in, should I have an abortion? Yes. Mm. Should you sacrifice the life of one person to save another person? The answer is no. Should you sacrifice the life of one person to save a hundred people? The answer was yes. And then the next question was, should you sacrifice the life of one person to save 101 people? And the answer was no. So, but you know, why did it why did it come up with that? You know, have, must have had something to do with the input. But the reality is, is that 
AI is only as good as the input and it's biased towards whoever the person putting the input into the computer was, was putting in. I think that's one of the great challenges here. When we start to look to computers and artificial intelligence for moral issues, I can tell you from a Jewish perspective, from the Talmudic perspective, when rabbis deal with those kinds of questions, and they do, should you sacrifice one to save a city, right? These are classic questions. What the rabbis are interested in is the process one goes on to arrive at the decision. They're going to look to the Hebrew Bible. They're going to see what they can learn from it, how they build an argument, and how they build a foundation for making choices. And so the question becomes, what foundation do we have to create answers to the moral questions of our day? No, that's fascinating. And I wonder if, um, you know, the AI is, is using, you know, religious texts at all in, in, in the database for, for these answers to moral questions. Um, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy every Sunday in the paper, these ethicists column where people yeah. write in and say they have these, these very serious ethical moral issues and they need help. And I think the guy who writes for the Times is excellent. And we sometimes around the the, uh, the breakfast table with my kids, I'll ask them the questions that are posed to the ethicist. And we don't always agree with him, but uh, it's fun to do that. But obviously you bring so much of your own experience to these, to these moral questions. And I think that's what you're saying is that, you know, you can't judge them in a vacuum. You have to consider each individual case and you have to go through the process of trying to weigh the, the question. And usually I find when I try to make an argument and it's not holding up, I have to then reflect on why it's not holding up or why I have doubts about my, my gut reaction. And that process um, can, be, can be difficult, but I think it's essential if you have a hard question in front of you. I think that's exactly right. In our society, we seem to be only concerned with the outcome, with the answer, and not the process. And in our Torah reading this week, portion of Re'eh, we move from the sense of hearing, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which really means to consider, to think, to take this idea in, to Re'eh, to see. See, this day, God says to the people of Israel through Moses, Anochi noten lifnechem hayom, I put before you this day, bracha uklala, blessing and curse. And then it goes on to say, you can choose blessing and you can choose a curse. This is, everything is totally in your hands. And it's a fascinating issue because what it tells us is that we're not automatons, right? We make moral choices in our, and we make choices that affect us, our families, our communities, the world in a whole variety of different ways, and they matter. But part of the human condition, at least from the Torah's perspective, is that we can make moral choices. We don't necessarily make them, but we can. And we weigh a multitude of factors, unlike AI. We have other issues and feelings and history and historical ideas. Everything all come together. And I'm wondering how you respond to that idea 
of the human ability to make choices versus computer. When you say here, uh, you're, um, in the Shema and, and to see in Ra'e, I think of those as being, you know, inputting data, right, in the crudest sense. We're taking in information. We're, we're being receptive. And a computer can do that. A computer can definitely take in information. The question is what comes next. Um, you know, I think of the Shazam app where, you know, you can hold it up and it'll tell you what song is playing. And I love that app. But obviously, the Shazam app isn't moved by the music and and, is, and isn't going to dance to the music. That's that's for us to do. So you can analyze all the data in the world. And as I said earlier, it, it can be very useful for certain things in, in terms of seeing patterns. But I can't imagine that it can make you know moral choices just because that's got to come from the individual and their values and what they bring to it. You know, you mentioned that the app or the AI said um, that abortion was okay. But obviously, that's not going to be true for everybody in every circumstance. So right. um, you, you ha- it depends on, on where you've been in life and who you are. Well, I think from the Torah's perspective, there's another factor. It says, because again, you go back to the Torah, what it says, it says, Anochi notein lifnechan. I have, meaning God, I have placed before you blessing and curse. Now, what you're looking at here is not a pure moral choice. The Torah is telling you this is what God wants you to do. This is the road that God wants you to walk down. And you can choose to go against that. But if you do, there will be consequences for that. And here, I think that there is the God factor in this decision-making process shouldn't be overlooked because from the Jewish perspective and I think from religion, from different religious groups, how do you factor in the Torah? What weight do you give it? And how do you allow thousands of years of tradition to help you make choices? And what if the tradition says no, but you want to say yes? How do you manage that? And how do you think about that? Um, as moderns, we tend to look at history and say, we are at the pinnacle right now. This is, we are at the highest point of human knowledge and human history and human morality, and we can make choices based upon our own thinking. That's the inverse of how ancients thought about history. They thought the people who came before us were the, on the highest level. The great ones came in the past. And so we, I think, come in with a predilection against looking at ancient texts and learning from them. Is that your experience? I mean, is that how you would understand it? Well, I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, you get you get a, an up-close view of this in your job that maybe I don't. But I think that the reason we're still talking about the Torah and the reason we're still going to synagogue, some of us at least, uh, I'm not there as much as, as I know I should be, but um, the reason we're going is because we still think there's value in those ancient texts to help us shape our lives. As you were talking, I was thinking it'd be interesting to ask, if I want to strictly adhere to the Torah, should I make this choice? What should I do in this situation? And and to see how well it corresponds or how it changes what it, the advice it would otherwise give. I think that's fascinating because you see throughout the Torah that the Torah is constantly evolving, constantly being shaped. But there was a great... Jewish thinker of the 20th century, Mordechai Kaplan, who not only created Reconstructionism, but also 
really created um, a whole line of thought as to how synagogues should manage themselves and created the Jewish center. He often said, halacha, Jewish law, gets a vote, but not a veto, right? And that's the question you're raising, because, you know, there are people in the Orthodox community where halakha gets a veto. There are people in the non-Orthodox community where halakha gets a very strong vote, and you have to, you know, you're open to evolution, the evolution of the law, but not necessarily tied to it. And there are other people who say that, you know, Jewish law gets a vote in this conversation. Yes, we'll consider it, but it doesn't get a veto. That's kind of the spectrum that we're looking at. But at the end of the day, our decisions matter. And making Jewish decisions, I think, also matters. What's the basis of the choices we make? What's our input? Our input isn't just the experience that I've had in my life, but it's also the experience of Jewish law and tradition. What do our religious traditions have to say to us? And I think that's an important piece of this. You know, Jonathan, I was thinking as you were talking that you have written about a whole variety of really fascinating people, all of whom made moral choices, some pretty horrific choices, some really challenging ones, and some really inspiring choices, right? I mean, you yeah. follow that as well. Yeah, I, you know, I would argue that we all make moral choices in our lives, and I just happen to write about the famous people who make moral choices or the people whose moral choices put them in a position of some notoriety, making the moral choice to break the law and invent a birth control pill, making the moral choice to break the law and march in Birmingham, making the moral choice to break the law and refuse to be drafted into the Vietnam War. Some of them were definitely guided by religious faith, I should mention, uh, clearly, powerfully. And in, in some cases, they were done contravention of, of, of religious faith. You know, Margaret Sanger decided the birth control pill was important, despite the fact that she was raised a Catholic. Uh, John Rock, the same. And of course, you know, Muhammad Ali and, and Martin Luther King were making their choices very much guided by their religious principles, but sometimes in opposition to other religious leaders who uh, shared their faith but disagreed with their views on, on the law. So as you said, there's always going to be a spectrum of belief, even for people who adhere to the same text and even for people who follow the same AI. You know, you, you, can, you can plug in the same questions to AI, but you still have to decide whether you're going to act on them or not. This is a pretty interesting conversation. And what's so fascinating is that the words of the Torah are just as relevant today as they were then. The human condition is one where the choices are always before us, as are the rewards and the consequences. Thanks, Rabbi.